Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. I'm mindful of time, so I'll... uh... Would you pray that uh, God would make this nice and clean and short? <laughs> uh, but uh, we are really grateful to hear what's happening in the life of the church, amen, around the world, in Malawi, uh, it's happening in the youth, I mean, it's really, really significant. Uh, but we are, we are in our pilgrimage journey phase of life. We, as a church, we are going on a bit of a journey, and it's something that uh, we are excited about, a bit of a pilgrimage to explore God, to know God, but be changed by Him. And uh, so that's something that we're really, really important. Now, today we're looking at the aspect of trust. Now, trust is a significant component to following someone. You've got to trust them before you follow them, before you become like them. So trust is a, a very important part of our journey. And if I was to ask us, do you guys trust God? The answer would be yes. Everyone would say Yes. Uh, but we'll unpack that a little bit later because I think that that's a really big question that it has lots of other questions associated with it. Uh, because I think there's different levels of trust. It's not a yes or no, do I trust God? It's a how much do I trust God? Now, uh, there, we have different professions in the room. We've got teachers, we've got pastors, plumbers, builders, um, nurses, doctors. If I leave someone out, I'm sorry. hope you're not offended. Um, but we all trust them differently, don't we? Uh, there's a survey that came out in two, 2022, um, the Ethics Review, and uh, they came up with the list of most trusted professions to least trusted professions. And they gave a number, they quantified it, and um, can anyone guess what the highest profession is? First responders. I'm not hearing pastors at all. <laughs> I don't know where they sit in the list. It's really... Uh, so, yeah, some buster. Um, no one's got it? Oh, look. Um, the highest ranking trust profession is nursing. And they get a, a mark of 77 of whatever that quantity is, 77 things of trust. And, um, and so, like, you know, we, we as a society trust our nurses. I'm going to explain why that's really important uh, a little bit later. Uh, what do you think the least trustworthy profession is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got someone, hey. I don't think real estate agents feature too highly, uh, but I apologise if I offend you. I say that a lot. Uh, but the, the lowest rating, ranking profession that we trust is actually our politicians. So our leaders, right? Um, and um, so actually our, the lowest ranking was the state politicians, state government, um, had a minus 22 of trust, whatever that measurement of trust equates to. Uh, minus 22, and the federal government was second last, uh, at a minus 21, I think it was. And, and so we have varying degrees of trust operating in our society, don't we? And, uh, and so when we look at trust, it would be wise for us to consider, not that we trust God or not, but what areas of life we trust God in, how much we trust God in. And uh, I think that's really significant as we follow God, and we listen to him and we follow his leading, his spirit's leading, that we learn to trust him in all areas of our life. Uh, Psalms 125. 
Awesome. Uh, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. So if you trust in God, you become like a mountain. It's an interesting analogy. Mount Zion is where Jerusalem is. It's a place um, that was fortified. It was a really big mountain, and uh, people come from all over Israel to come to Mount Zion. Uh, Now, Mount Zion is figuratively a place that is immovable, unshakable, unchangeable. And when we put our trust in God, we, we take hold of who God is in that space. And so God holds us. And I think that's really important because sometimes we feel like we're holding on to God. And maybe, maybe that's been your experience of coming to faith that, you know, you just got to try and walk the balancing beam to try and do everything right and be good enough to hold on to God. But this is the author saying, hey, when you trust in God, you, are, you have the security, you have the safety, you have this confidence that God holds on to you, uh, that it endures forever. Uh, Psalms 125 says that being a Christian is like sitting in the middle of Jerusalem, a fortified and secure dwelling. Now, sometimes we, we hope. We, sometimes we replace hope and trust. It's like, I hope I'm saved. I hope that God will heal. I hope that God will work in my life in this, in this way. What the author here is saying is, is that we can trust with certainty that if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and King, that we are saved. Amen. It's a confidence we have. But that confidence gives birth to a whole range of things. That confidence is a beautiful thing. It enables us to change and develop. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of a debate in theological circles about uh, once saved, always saved. Um, I think a better way of putting it like this is, is that uh, we, God holds on to us. If we've accepted him as our Lord and King, he holds on to us. We can't lose that, but we can reject him. And so it's a kind of a bit of both, that we can intentionally reject God. We can turn our backs on him. Judas did it. There's a number of people in, in um, the New Testament that the Apostle Paul mentions that have turned away from God and rejected God. And uh, I think it's interesting that it's, it's a deliberate choice to reject God. And that is a, that's a source of confidence, knowing that we can't just slip into away from God. We can slip away from intimacy with him, but we can't slip away from salvation with him. Does that make sense? All right, so that's our confidence is that God holds on to us and that he secures us, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, This trust enables us to develop. As we trust him, he does this work inside of us, Um, and this trust takes us into places that aren't comfortable. Trusting God is not going to leave you in a place of comfort, church. If you're thinking God is going to leave you in a comfortable, secure, safe space in your life, you'll never grow and develop that sense of trust in your life. And so that's a significant thing. Often trusting in God takes us into the storm. Sometimes we're like, God, get me out of the storm. Uh, But trusting God often takes us into a storm, into a place where we discover dependency on him. In Matthew 8.23, Jesus jumps in a boat and... um, He's asleep in the boat. You might be familiar with this story. And uh, there's a big storm that rolls in. And so Jesus in the boat doesn't mean there's no storms. I just think that's really important that we recognize that sometimes we can go or come to faith thinking that Jesus is going to just smooth out all our problems, fix all our situations and scenarios. God's never promised that. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us. He's promised to be there for us in the storm. And, uh, so it's un- and that's important for us to realize 
Verse 25 of Matthew 8 says this, The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and was completely calm. That sense of security uh, stops the storms. Like God stopped, Jesus quelled the storms. Shush, 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 in our videos, if you know our shush, shush, shush videos. He... He, he shushed the storm and calmed it. There's a sense of security and confidence in God. At times, he will calm the storm. But that storm is really important that we go through the storm to discover and have a revelation of who God is. See, without the storm, the disciples would never know the power and authority of God. Without the storm, they would not come to understand who Jesus is. And so the storms of life are important for you. So... You will have storms in your life. You're going to have more storms. You're like, oh, can't you be encouraging, Sam? <laughs> My encouragement to you is that Jesus is with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll be in the storm with you, in the boat with you. That is the confidence. He is holding on to us in the boat. He's better than a life raft. He's better than a, a life jacket. He's holding on to us, and he'll secure us. And we're talking about eternal security, not just temporary our bodies here are fleeting. We're here for just a glimpse, a little brief whisper. A vapor, the Bible talks about, is our existence on earth. But God is eternal and he holds us in eternity. Um, I, I went out to Great Keppel Island when I was a kid. And there's um, it a big boat, I think it's called the 2000, whatever it was. And it was a big boat and it had a huge storm roll in. And I remember being, uh, looking around at the boat and uh, pretty much everyone else on, in the, inside the boat was vomiting or going green or not enjoying the experience. And um, the crazy side of me is like, hey, Dad, can we go up the front on the bow? And Dad's like, sure. Um, so my brother and my dad and we went up to the front of the boat and the huge waves breaking over the front of the boat, water going everywhere. And... Um, I had such an incredible time because my dad was there. He gave me confidence to endure the storm and enjoy the storm and, get, and learn about him. And I grew in trust. I grew in trust about the capacity of the boat <laughs> and my dad. And so these storms are really, really important. And I know we often talk about them, but sometimes as a church, we, as, as people, as Christians, I know I do, I'm like, God, please take me away from the storm. And God's like, no, Sam. I want to reveal myself, my character to you through the storm. The storm is the means by which you will discover and have a revelation of who I am, how amazing I am. The storm is so important to us walking and growing in him. So this pilgrimage we're doing is going to have storms, and God's going to allow storms to, to come into your situation. And they might look like different things. They could be relational tensions. They could be frustrations. They could be financial stress. These storms of life that God allows and saying, what are you going to do in the storm? Who are you going to turn to in the storm? There's an incredible intimacy in the storm. When we turn to God, we discover an incredible intimacy with him. Uh, intimacy and trust go hand in hand. We see that in marriages. Marriages that have high trust have often high intimacy. There's a beautiful link there. And that trust of each other allows each other to be vulnerable, allows for a deeper connection. And so God ultimately wants us to discover through trust and intimacy with him. 
And so trust is something that he wants us to grow in. He's like, don't check the, bo- check the box, do you trust me, Sam? Don't just check the box. Each day is an opportunity to take a step of faith, to take a step of trust and say, yes, God. Whatever this day brings, I'm going to trust that you are a part of it. You're never going to forsake or leave me. You're going to be here with me. And I'm going to just hold on to you because I've got nothing else to hold on to. That is Mount Zion. That is that picture of this immovable, unshakable faith in God. In a storm, we get the greatest revelation of God. And I'm so thankful for some of the hard seasons. At the time, I'm not. In the time, I'm like, ah, get me out of here. But looking back, I've seen such an incredible revelation of God and he's revealed who he is, his faithfulness in the storms. And I wouldn't change anything. And through the storms, we have this vulnerability. Uh, when When we come closer to God and there's a high trust, we can be vulnerable with God. We can be open and real. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago about don't fake it till you make it. This isn't a journey of pretend. God wants us to raw, real Sam to connect with him intimately, genuinely, authentically. This world has had enough of fake. The world doesn't need any more fake. The world needs authentic people who are real. And we don't need to pretend to have it all together. No one in human history has got it all together. And the, the, I've been pastoring for eight years and I've never yet met someone in all those years, who's never had a significant thing in their life. Everyone has a significant thing, a significant burden, a huge stress, and maybe it's financial, health, relational, friendship, family. Everyone's got their storm. Everyone has something big. And I want to throw out today that maybe, just maybe, the storms are there as a gift for us to discover God, an opportunity to grow and take steps of trust in him. Now, I said before why nurses are more trusted than politicians. Well, I'll ask you a question. Is a politician likely to clean you? No, I hope not. Um, so what, what do I love about nurses is they will do things that no one else will. They will meet you at your very worst Nurses are highly relational, and there's a trust there. It's like they don't have an agenda other than your well-being. With doctors, I think there's a cynicism there. With COVID, there's a lot of cynicism that's come out. We love doctors, Barry. It's okay. Um, But there's a real sense that there's a distrust there. But with nurses, they've, they've got no perceived agenda. It's just they're there for you, and they are there with you. Doctors come and go, physios come and go, all these different... But nurses are, are there relationally with you. And I think that's a beautiful picture of God. He is with you at your very worst. He is with you when your str- biggest struggle, your biggest pain, your biggest hurt, he, he is with you. And in that space is the opportunity to grow in trust. Hold on to him, turn to him in the space. Politicians aren't necessarily going to be there for you when you're down. But God is so faithful. He is so there. He's so personal. And nurses are trusted because there is relationship. Uh, Romans 5 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Us at our very worst. Jesus is there loving on us. He is there holding us. God is there. He's so faithful. And so that's a that's an incredible. Truth for us to hold on to today. In this pilgrimage, it's going to take us down storms. 
through storms. There's going to be big ones around the corner, maybe. There's something really big in your life right now. But God is, is with you. He loves you at your very worst. So if you're not struggling, that's, if, you, if you're struggling and not coping, that's okay. God is bigger than your capacity to cope. God is steadfast and he holds on to us even when we've got nothing left to hold on to. Trust develops and trust develops into... There's my beautiful nurse picture. There we go. Trust develops... Into obedience. Right slide. This is going good. Uh, there's a development here. Trust. We, we grow and take steps of trust. It becomes obedience. And I, and I say, you know, trust and obedience are almost two sides of the same coin. If I trust God, I'm going to obey him. Now, if I was to say, of all the different areas in your life, do you trust God? It'd be easier to ask the question, are you obedient? What areas in your life are you obedient to God in? You know, for, for me, it's been a journey of finances. Trusting God with my finances means being obedient with him. For, for me, the journey has been like, oh, well, you know, I can justify not tithing, I can justify not giving, I can not being generous. Uh, but God's challenged me on that. He said, Sam, you know, I've, I've, I've asked you to do this, and I believe God speaks individually to each of us and what that looks like. But my journey has been a journey of I've struggled to be obedient, and, but ultimately I've struggled to trust him. See, if I trust God with my finances... Being obedient should be a natural outcome. If I trust God with my relationships, obedience in those relationships is going to be a natural thing. It's going to be how I respond. And in relationships, God, God calls us to submit one, one to another in love, to submit and serve each other. And if I trust God in the relationships, the obedience is that's how I'm going to love my wife. I'm not going to dominate her. I'm going to love and affirm her. And so trusting God's rules and God's regulations and his requirements and desires in relationships, that is obedience, being obedient to him. There's so many different other ones, careers, future, even suffering, trusting God in suffering and loss, trusting him that death is, is not the end, trusting him that there is an eternal salvation, that he is continually there. Trust works out in so many different ways, but it lands itself in obedience. So in the areas in your life, I wonder it would be interesting if we were to pause and consider what areas am I least obedient to God in? Because you'd probably find there's a, there's a lack of trust somewhere in the mix. Do I trust that he is faithful? Do I trust that he will provide? Time and time again, I just look at my accounting spreadsheets of past budgets and it doesn't make sense. But God is so faithful. And he's calling. And the, the irony in this is that I, as a kid, I was super generous. But the more I got, the less generous I became. The more I tried to control it and manage it and micromanage it and protect it. And that's been a big thing for me of later. God's just saying, Sam, I want, you, I want you to be free from the burden of control in that area of your life. And that's an incredible burden to hand over God. I said, I trust you. So this is not a, I'm not saying, hey, go give more money to the church. No, I'm saying be faithful to God, be obedient to him and trust him. If that's your biggest area in your life, trust him in it. There's a reason God, Jesus spoke so much about money because it can hold our hearts. But relationships are significant. Trust him for the relationships that he would lead and guide you. Trust that, um, that being who God has called you to be, the outcome would be in his hands, not our own. It doesn't always make sense. Following God does not make sense. 
If, you've, if you read the Bible, it doesn't make a lot of sense, the things that God calls people to do. He called um, Joshua to march around Jericho seven times. Like, why don't you just bring the wall down? Um, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily make sense. Like, he told uh, someone to go wash in the, a special river to cleanse themselves of leprosy. He put mud in someone's eye. Jesus put mud in someone's eye to, to bring healing. It doesn't always need to make sense. Trusting God doesn't need to be a rational decision. And as I want to say this carefully, because I'm not saying, hey, go out and do re- reckless, stupid things, but trust God. Trusting God might take you into a place that you never thought you could go. Trusting him doesn't always make sense. Trusting him for the destination. Trusting him for the journey. And uh, verse 2, I'll skip the last few, that's all good. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. There's this beautiful picture of this, this mountain of Israel that's been surrounded and it's protected. And, and, and that is the picture that God wants us to take hold of. As we trust him and take hold of him, that he surrounds us. Now, surrounds us with what? There's, there's protection. Um, in 2 Kings 6, 17, I love this, this story. If you've got time this week, read, uh, read it in 2 Kings. Um, Elisha is surrounded by an army and uh, there's, there's people are trying to kill Elisha because he's a bit of a troublemaker in the king's eyes. And um, Elisha is chilling. He's relaxed. And his servant's like, hey, don't you realize the army's about to come in and squash us? And he's like, God, would you open my servant's eyes? And he prays this prayer. He says, <clears throat> uh, he said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened his servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, God is greater than your problem. God is bigger than your capacity to fear. God is greater than our failures. And so we can keep coming back to how God is. Sometimes our, we, we struggle because we forget how big God is. We forget how powerful him, he is. And when we have a revelation of who he is, trusting him becomes an easier step. The Lord surrounds his people with protection and love uh, not just that, but in the New Testament we have this change. A picture, picture was that God was around his people in the Old Testament with the, the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the, and the tabernacle. And so his presence was there and he was with his people externally. In the New Testament, Jesus leaves us the, the, the Holy Spirit to not just be around us, but be within us. And what a great assurance that is. What a great confidence that is. If Israel had confidence in a God as they went up to, these, to Jerusalem on the, singing this song, this pilgrim song of ascent, if they had confidence with God around them, how much more confidence do we have that he is in us? Uh, the God who breathed the universe into existence lives and resides in us. Shouldn't that reality make our problems seem small? Have confidence in who he is. He is holding on to us. It's not just about a security, but it's about affection. <clears throat> I don't know if you, any of you parents, I don't mind closing now. I don't know if any of you are parents and you've um, been in bed, uh, sorry, been at home watching your kids sleep. Um, as kids, it's cute when they get older. It sounds creepy. But, <laughs> like, I love watching my kids just rest, be in peace have deep sleep and just I just enjoy them and that's that picture of God surrounding Israel it's not just security it's not just 
to protect them from the evils of the evil one. Um, but it's a sense of he dotes on his kids. He wants to love and affirm you. He wants to love you. He wants to share his affections with you. And that is that picture of him surrounding us. What an incredible picture that is. Knowing he holds us. In the last verse is the trust ends in peace. When we truly trust God, we have incredible peace in that area of our lives. If you're trusting God on your finances, guess what? You've got peace. You're no longer anxious. You're not getting ulcers in your stomach because you're staying up late trying to make it all work. God, what, would you just help me to be obedient and trust you? In what you say, what you want, let me just respond in obedience. In whatever area of that life, maybe it's trusting God with your health. Trusting him that ultimately this is not our forever body, that we have a new body. I'm looking forward to our set of hair. I'm looking forward to a new body. Uh, but we're trusting him for this life that we have now. We don't need to be frantically trying to make ourselves stop aging. We can trust him. This is not our forever home. Heaven is not just a place. It's a person. Heaven is in relationship with Jesus. And we can experience that now. He is the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much that you are such a solid and strong tower. That, Lord, that you are, you are so big. Uh, Lord, I pray for a revelation of your glory, how big you are. Lord, that we would understand and appreciate the insignificance of some of the things that we are burdened by. Lord, I pray that we would bring our pains, our frustrations to the altar, that we'd bring them to you and let them go. Lord, would you grow trust in us that gives birth to obedience in every area of our life, Lord, I pray. Lord, the areas that we struggle with, would you reveal them to us? Lord, would you help us to be faithful and respond? Would your spirit give us the confidence and the courage to, to walk in obedience as we follow you? So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.